Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Malbro. It's Monday, so that means we're joined by Andrew Jude of TheSaintsNation.com. Uh, and Andrew, for the first time all year, it is not a Blue Monday. The Saints got a win. They are one and four. Um, you know, so what was your initial thought uh, to have sort of a not quite a day, but you know, to sort of let the win sink in? What's your initial thought of how they looked? Um, well, man, first of all, I have to say I, I almost forgot what a Saints win felt like, and maybe it's how the season has gone and. Off how seat. overdue we were for one, but man, it felt so good. It 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 almost felt like when they won the Super Bowl. Maybe not quite that. <laughs> I wouldn't go maybe that. Maybe not quite that often, but I was so happy last night and this morning. And I mean, it felt more powerful than a lot of wins well, we had during the regular well, season last year. Andrew, you bring up a good point. Uh, and I think the reason why it it felt so so good is that to me. In a way, it was completely unexpected. I mean, I picked them to win going away in my column. I thought they would look really good. But if you watch the game, you you thought that it got away from them when it was 24-14. Much less, Drew Brees throws the pick. San Diego returns it for a touchdown. And I was like, it's it's done. It's it's done. Yeah. It's 0-5. They're done. Are they going to win a goddamn game? And I was like, starting to mentally check out. And they got the reprieve, and you're thinking, well, they got a stay of execution. But no, the Saints turned it on, and to me, it was completely unexpected that they came back from the 10-point deficit and won, and that's probably why it was so enjoyable last night. No, it definitely – I mean, it wasn't quite as dramatic as the comeback win against the Redskins in 2009, Um, but it had a similar feel of down and out. The game's over, you know, similar to the Dolphins game, too, in 2009, where you're like, it's probably not going to happen. But there was a little bit more doom and despair. I I think in the back of your mind, even even in 2009, you were thinking, oh, it's just a bad week. It's okay. They'll rebound. Yeah. But and now it's like same old Saints, 0 and 5. Here we here we go again. This team blows. And uh, for them to just recapture that magic, even if it's just for one week. Um, it, it was it was fun, man. It was awesome, and, and you know everything that was at stake. I mean, the record was great, of course, and Drew Brees is a true champion, and and you know he's been so great the last six years of root for for all of us. Um, but for me as a fan, it wasn't about any of that. It really was, and I've been tweeting it all week. It, it was just get a win. I, I just wanted to, as a fan, get that feeling again. Yeah, and um, they did it, so it was great. Yeah, I mean, and, and look. The thing that is 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 is, and I talked about it in the post game show with Kevin is, you know, and and thank God they have a bye week, Andrew, because as this offense is currently constituted with Jimmy Graham injured, Lance Moore uh, injured, Colston uh, with as gutsy and heroic a two weeks as I've seen a Saints player do with. What he's doing on one, what he's what he's doing with one foot is just we'll we'll get to that in a second. But he's hurt. Okay, they can't run the ball for shit. I Andrew, I'm going to argue with you that right now, what is it? It's October eighth or whatever. That this is the worst offense in the Sean Payton era. Wow. And, and um. Wow. Because of because of injuries and circumstances, you know, not having Sean Payton, the injuries, the offensive line struggles. I mean, it's not a horrible offense by NFL standards, but by the Saints standards that they have set for six years, I think it's the worst. Yeah, you know, 
I feel like that first season in 2006 when Reggie Bush first joined and and uh, Breeze was still trying to figure out what kind of arm he had. Um, I remember those first few weeks when they went 3-0. and um, They were kind of winning with defense. I remember they beat the Falcons 20-3. to um, They won on the road against the Packers. Didn't look very good offensively. So maybe yeah, early in 2006, they looked yeah. really bad yeah. offensively and were actually winning with defense and special teams. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, they've been so, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a blessing that they've been so good all these years, but yeah. by comparison to all the other offenses, um, I still think they're pretty prolific passing, even with the sacks, even with Trebrees' percentages, it's his completion percentage, um, fairly down. And even with the injuries of receiver, um, yardage-wise, they're they're still yeah. He's close. He's, he's close to the pace. Game, so he's close to the that, pace. Of, I would of say last passing year. is still elite, even with kind yeah. of. But yeah, I, I'd say it, it's definitely you can definitely make a case for it. Well, I mean, it's you know, it, it, it's it's look, they're not the, they're not you know they're not the Browns or they're not well the Jets just Mark Sanchez just hit a nice bomb. So I mean, they're not the Jets or that sort of thing on offense, but they struggle. But look. They got a bye week, so Lance Moore could get healthy. You know, we don't they you know we don't know about Jimmy Graham's ankle, and he'll have a week to get better. So, it's not it, you know it, it it might not end up being the worst offense, but as of today, with all the injuries, it is. Yeah. I think, but you know they've they've got a week, and um, you know we'll see. Uh, listen, I said it on the podcast, and you know it was only thirty minutes, and it was late at night, and me and Kevin were kind of drunk. But uh, Marcus Colston, he broke the Joe Horn record, and if you see him after plays, Andrew, the dude is limping back to the huddle. He has no – the thing that makes Colston great is basically he could out-jump people for the ball. He's super physical, and he's faster than you thought. Well, now he can't jump, and he's really slow. But I'll be damned if he's not just getting open and figuring out how to, hell, how to, how to, how to do it. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know quite how he's doing it, Andrew, but it was awesome to watch. Yeah, and you know, part of it I think is Drew Brees. Yeah, kind of just said, you know what, screw it. I mean, I don't even have any other receivers out here. <laughs> so, I mean, there were times, Ralph, where it was in between two and three defenders, completely covered, and the windows and, and the, the the position Brees was fitting these balls in. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was just like, I don't care who's covering you. I don't care if it's zone. I don't care if it's man. I don't care if there's a safety over the top. I'm going to put the ball in this location, and you just catch it. And Colston, more times than not, was coming up with it. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it's it was unbelievable. I mean, it's almost like there's nothing you can do at that point. When you're double covering a guy, he can't get any separation, and he's still coming up with a catch. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, that's part of the, the 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 fun of the Green Bay game where he got the ball thrown to him and, and I think he just thought you know what my foot shot you know what Green Bay guy I'm just gonna shove you and catch this goddamn ball and if the ref throws a flag whatever but I mean it's 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 remarkable. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. 
It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And, you know, it just goes to show you that uh, uh, the Saints were absolutely right to pay him and keep him. And look, you don't know. I mean, football players, they get on the wrong side of 30. Sometimes they hold up. Sometimes they don't. But... Andrew, if he gets a thousand, if he if he ends up with like a thousand yards, eleven hundred yards with this bum foot of his, I mean, I would put it up against any receiving season that any Saints ever had. You know, no, and I'm glad you're I'm glad you're hammering the point home the the point home because I, I think it's important to recognize Marcus Colston, and if we can take you know a good few minutes here just to really talk about him and what he's meant to this team, you know, let's not forget a year ago. He broke his collarbone. Yeah. He, he missed one week. <laughs> they put a plate to fix his collarbone. Now, I had a buddy that broke his collarbone in, in college. He wasn't right for a year and a half. Wow. And after a year and a half of it finally being fixed, he still had his bone sticking out of his skin a little bit. You know, I mean, it was, never, he, it was never right. And I know that he had pain for six months. So and we're talking about a guy with a metal plate that came back a week later and was taking hits in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. So, and, and I, I've had putter fasciitis before, and I know guys that have had it so bad they can't even walk. So, again, we're talking about an injury where I, I don't think fans realize the extent yeah, of what they, Colton has gone out there to battle with. Yeah, they think, oh, plantar fasciitis, just, it's, it's not that big a deal because he's playing. To describe to people, like, plantar, you've had it, so do you, if you do you shoot it up for do you do you numb it? Do you just suck it up? What do you do what do you do? Do you wear a special shoe? What what is he probably doing? Well the best thing is rest and ice, you know? I mean that's a, that's really the only thing. Um, you know, and, and I used to have like these weird things like I would stand on a lacrosse ball, which is really painful and you know, it's a really hard surface, but you kinda just you know, put like the soft tissue spots in his little cross ball and try to massage it out that way. And um, it's always worse in the morning. I don't know why, but, um, you know, it, 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 it's always worse. And, you know, if it warms up, you can usually kind of get by with it over the course of the day. But it, it's painful. It's incredibly painful. And it, it's just tough to walk. And, you know, when it's tough to walk, it's tough to it's t- even tougher to run. And it's even tougher to get elevation. And that's, that's you need that. I don't think people realize as a receiver how crucial having a healthy foot is. He you know, he it's, it's, he cannot he cannot elevate at all. At no, not no. at all. I, think, I, I don't know if you guys remember the fade no. um, that was thrown to him in the Packers game, and it was just a it was a complete piss no. poor effort, and he, he, he literally just couldn't get off the ground. I think I could jump higher than him right now. He he just like <laughs> he can't he can't jump. He it it's not. I don't think it's that it's it's just, he just runs and he's like. Like he, like probably he's like, you know what? I don't even want to try because I can't. I don't have the strength in my foot or whatever. And when I land, it's gonna make it. It's gonna hurt ten times worse. So I'm just not even gonna try. And well, anytime you get the other thing is anytime you get injured, and Hawthorne is another example of this where he has a bum knee, so you know his body compensates for that, yeah. and now he's got a hamstring. And what you saw oh, last it's, night it's, with um, Colston was he made a catch, came down, and started to turn on his ankle a little bit. Another perfect example, plantar fasciitis is on the inside of the foot. He's compensating on the other fi- on the other side and put too much weight on the outside of his foot instead, and it's, it rolled over. And so um, that, that's the problem once you yeah. try to play hurt is, you know, your, your body tries to compensate for areas that are sensitive by relying on other areas, and that's when you put stress and injure yourself elsewhere. Um, so that, that's kind of, it looked like he kind of rolled his ankle a little bit too. Yeah. Andrew, um, you watch the film and that's one of the reasons we have you on here. Cause you do the grade and you watch the coach film, you know, in the ins and outs and look, I, yep. I'll watch the 30 minute review and I watch the games and sometimes I'll re I'll rewind and look, I don't watch the film like you, but could you explain to me and maybe our audience, how can the saints be so good at pass blocking? The last two weeks. I mean, Drew Brees was sitting back there. I think he made another Verizon commercial. Uh, and yet they suck at run blocking. How can they be so good at one and so atrocious at the other? Well, you know, a lot of times uh, run run blocking really comes down. less. It's less technique. It's more just physically 
beating the other man. Yeah. You know, it's physically, it's strength, it's it's pushing the guy back. It, it's it's more the block, the block, the, the attitude, the mental attitude that you have going into that is more aggressive and, and brute strength. Um, pass blocking is all about technique. It's all about lateral quickness and movement and using your hands properly. Um, so, um, and, and you know, I, so I think pass blocking, believe it or not, is actually hard, right? I mean, obviously you have to be strong in order yeah. to run block, but pass blocking well is tougher and they're doing a pretty good job of that the last two weeks. But it's not that they're not capable, Ralph, because if you look at um, week two, Pierre Thomas, um, that game he had, the, the blocking in that game was unbelievable. Uh, yeah. The run blocking, I mean, the run support, and the pass blocking was atrocious. So that, for me, that's the real head scratcher in all this is that they've had a couple weeks where the run blocking was pretty good, and they've had a couple weeks where the pass blocking in conjunction with the run blocking being good was horrible. So then you then you look now in the last two weeks it's been complete opposite. Pass blocking is held up and the run blocking's been terrible. So um the offensive line to me that that's been the main problem is they haven't put together a complete game yet. Yeah. Um and so that that's 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 really I think going into the bye week and then in the next week. Um that I think that's really what they've got to focus on. But again, I mean I, I keep talking about Cromer that's his main job, and, and he's regarded as one, one of the best. And obviously, his attention is pulled elsewhere. And I want—I really wonder if, when Jovic comes back, if that's going to be a huge boost to the offensive line in terms of having Cromer back, fully concentrated on them and yeah. helping them game plan and devise all their techniques and everything and pick up. Because right now, he, he's not able to concentrate on that like I know he wants to. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing with the Saints running game, and I think fans, you know, they say, well, just stick with the run, stick with the run. Well, the thing is with the Saints is that, and you talked about it, there's there's this overwhelming sense of when the Saints have two straight possessions where they don't score, you're like, oh, my God, this is getting away from them. And at the same sense, if you watched LSU in Florida, Florida basically – just said, fuck it, we're not, we're not throwing the ball anymore against LSU. And they basically wailed on LSU from the middle of the second quarter onward. But they weren't worried. They're like, ah, we ran three plays, we punted, whatever, LSU's not scoring. The running game, to be able to stick with it, you have to have a competent, at least, defense. And the Saints' defense is nowhere near competent. So I think there's this there's this immense pressure on them that they, they just feel like running the ball that right now, Andrew, is just it's too big a risk. They gotta get points. Yeah. They got to get yeah. points. I mean, it's it's almost like running for two or three yards. Yeah. And you know, hey, if we don't pick up the first down, no big deal, we'll punt. You know, that's the attitude the Bears have. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of the Ravens, you know. No big deal, you know. If it gets to fourth and two and we don't pick up a first down, we'll just punt. And uh, I don't – yeah, I agree. And, and don't think that's not affecting Pete Carmichael a little no. bit in this play calling. Yeah. Because you know in the back of his mind right now he's thinking, shit, if we punt again, we might be down three scores. Yep. You know? You know? So they, they might score twice on the same drive, you know? You know? So, and then um, – You know, and then it's 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 hard to get that running game cranked up, you know, where, where you – you know, when they – the Saints – when they do have a lead, they're like 14 to 10. It's like, okay – then they tried to – like they, they did it against San Diego. They tried to get it cranked up and ran two plays but got stuffed, and then they had third down, and they didn't pick it up, and they were three and out. So it's hard to get it moving. Um, yeah, I'll tell you this, though, Ralph, when, and hopefully this will give everyone a, at least a little reason for optimism with the running game. Um, the Saints at the beginning of the year were incredibly um, predictable with their personnel. And yeah. um, obviously teams – picked up on it, you know, Mark Ingram and Daniel Graham are in the game. That's a running, that's a running play. Uh, Sproles is in the game. That's a passing play. And if you've seen the last few weeks, Sproles has started to run the ball a little more. And if you watch Joe Morgan's touchdown last week and a long pass, they hit Devery Henderson um, last night. Uh, that was in a run heavy formation, yeah. those two plays. And so now they've burned teams on consecutive weeks kind of playing Eight, eight, eight men in the box thinking, oh, Ingram's in the game, yeah. two tight ends, they're definitely running the ball, and they've burned them pretty badly. So when teams watch tape now, they're going to see that, and that's going to be in the back of their mind. And hopefully as the season progresses, teams will start to 
um, fear that a little bit more. And, and, and look, the, the Saints weren't really beating anyone deep until the last two weeks. Now, finally, they got Morgan and they got Henderson on a couple last night. And uh, that, that's huge. That, that opens up the whole offense for Breeze. It opens yeah. up the underneath stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so now, I mean, they've got to keep hitting that long stuff because it puts the fear in teams that they've got to put their safeties back. Yeah. And, and it that's doesn't... when they can start running the ball more effectively. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be – it doesn't even necessarily – have to be a thing where they hit it every week or even every game. It just has to be, you know, not that you would want sort of, you know, a guy to run wide open and drop the ball or a guy run wide open and Drew Brees miss him. But if that does happen in the game, teams go, "Uh uh-oh, Joe Morgan, he was wide open and Drew Brees almost hit him, you know, can't can't be can't be sniffing around and that you know that free safety says I can't be sniffing around up in the up in the line I gotta play I gotta play my responsibility and but one thing I will say about the, and the Saints Andrew is that and one of Sean Payton's one of his things that he's he is really fanatical about and a detail oriented guy is self scouting yeah he is really yep. big with the Saints and self scouting and look they don't have Sean Payton but that's one of his like core things. So that doesn't – just because he's not around, that doesn't change. So the Saints, like you said, they're doing the self-scout, and they probably looked at it and like, you know what? We need to we need to throw out of running formations, and they do it. So that's a good – that's one of the things that they're, they're just – they're going to constantly do that because that's one of the things that Sean Payton preaches, preaches, preaches. Um, Andrew, this defense, you know – I actually joked it was you know people are emailing me that were like oh you know it was better against San Diego they had some sacks they got some turnovers and then I went to a, it's one of my Saints blogs that I like SaintsWin.com it's a fun blog and the they had some stats on there that that it that blew my mind the Saints are on pace to give up over 7,300 yards of offense that'd be the worst of all time by a lot okay. The run defense, which I didn't think was as atrocious as it really is, it's on pace to be one of the 15, 15 worst run defenses since 1970. Um, Andrew, this defense, we always say it's got to get better. It's got to get. This defense, if they want to get to six or seven wins, I think it's got to get better by a lot. It, it's horrifying how bad they are right now. It, it really is. There's, there's no, um, and there's no quick remedy. Um, but I'll tell you this: what I saw in that game against the Chargers is they decided, "F it, we're going to blitz." You know, we're going to send five guys, we're going to send six guys, and Spagnola did it often. It, it felt like a Greg Williams defensive game plan. It really did. And you know what? They got burned very badly numerous yes, times by Robert Meacham. But my attitude with the whole thing is if you're gonna give if you're gonna give up big chunks of yards anyway, I mean that that's hap- right now that's happening regardless. So let's at least send an extra guy and maybe every once in a while you get a sack or you get a fumble or you get a pick. And all of those things happen in that game and so you know, I, I again, and I, I told you this earlier in the season. Right now, I feel more confident in the defense making a stop based on one play than I am oh, them totally. making three consecutive stops on three consecutive plays. Totally, to I think make a team punt. Yeah, I think Steve Spagnuolo needs to go to the next level, and during the game, he needs a cigarette in one hand and a and a scotch in the other, and just take a long drag on that cigarette, and just just blitz everybody because there's. there's there's no other way. I mean, they they just they cannot get pressure with four people, you know. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. and 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 the Saints also. I mean, they gave up stopping the run last week. Um. In in order to to get more pressure. Because they have um, to play Gillette, right? And he just can't. yeah. So they played Gillette. You know, obviously Will Herring being in there doesn't. Oh my help God! Also. They got to get Hawthorne's got to get. Yeah, that. Hawthorne could come back healthy after the bye. That would be huge, but. Or even Casillas, but you know Herring is just such such a liability. But um, they they gave up stopping the run. You know Bunkley doesn't play as much right now, and he's kind of their premier run guy. And if you notice in that game, Cameron Jordan and Will Smith both were playing a ton of defensive tackle. Yeah. Um. So it's not just the defensive ends when you put Martez and and Junior Gallette in there that are a liability. 
it's the defensive tackles. Um, so the Saints were pretty light uh, in the front four numerous times in that game, basically daring the Chargers to run. And the Chargers, I mean, yeah, they ripped off huge gainers when they would hand it off to Ryan Matthews, but the disparity of passing to running ratio was still absurd. It was like 50 or 40-something passes to 18 runs. I mean, I still – I think that – and, you know, we talk – we mock North Turner, but if you look at the success he had running the football, 6.5 yards a pop, as much as he threw, he threw more than double the amount of times he ran the football in that game. And and, and that right there is why the Chargers lost. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is I thought starting in the third quarter, I thought Junior Gallette started looking – like a competent defensive end with some of his pass rushes, which for the Saints is a step up. And I, I'm oh, not. He was, he was consistently, at least, if not, I mean, obviously he only had the one sack, but he was constantly getting edge pressure to at least force either Rivers to step into the pocket or get flushed out of the pocket or at least kind of notice him in the corner of his eye. What was happening before, you know, and through the four, first four games, these defensive ends were getting stonewalled at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So the quarterbacks were getting a comfortable pocket and just kind of sitting there. You know, and obviously Breeze were spoiled with Breeze because even when he's moving around in the pocket, he, I mean, his footwork is so sound. Um, he, that, he's still going to make a, a – he's going to give you an accurate ball even if he's got to move around in the pocket. Yeah. But a lot of these quarterbacks – Can't. You know, once you get them out of their comfort zone, when you make them step up in the pocket – they start to panic. They start to freak out a little bit, and that's when you get coverage sacks. That's you know that's when you get you know a guy that's been double teamed. He kind of slips through, and you know the quarterback's held onto the ball too long, and finally you get a sack. So um, obviously good coverage is part of that, but even an initial pressure on the edge that forces a quarterback to move in the pocket increases your chances of someone else well, getting a sack. Yeah, and I mean look, Aaron Rodgers can throw magnificently on the run. Philip Rivers cannot. Yeah, and. You know, and they they did it a little with Castle. The, the the problem is is that, and and I think it was Ross Tucker that tweeted this. And I like I like Ross Tucker. He does the morning show for the NFL, uh, serious NFL channel. I like him a lot in his podcast on ESPN. And he just made the point: Look, the Saints they can't set the edge in the run game, which you can maybe explain it better than me. But basically, what it means is the defensive end for the Saints either beats his guy or stones his guy. And the running back can't get either straight up the hole, up the tackle's butt, or get to the get to the corner and get a huge gain. And Junior Gallette and Martez Wilson, when the Saints play them, they just get – I'm going to use a technical term here, Andrew. They just get blown the fuck up. <laughs> and, yeah. and the thing is – it's just such it's such a volatile trade for Spagnola. I know he's probably thinking in his mind, I can get an average pass rush, or I can get the or they can I can get knifed in the stomach in the run game. So it's like, how do you how do you balance that if you're Spagnola going forward for the rest of the year? Because that's well, basically think, what it's going to be. Well, I think it's fans. You got to look at it. We look at it as sacks. And, you know, we see when there's pressure and when a quarterback has time, you know, to throw the football. I don't think the average fan's eye is really trained to see how a defensive end is holding his block and, and playing run defense. And so it's easy to say, oh, let's put Junior Gillette or Martez Wilson in there, you know, because they can't be any worse than Will Smith or Cam Jordan. But you're exactly right. And, you know, that a perfect example is that run for Jamal Charles. And that was all on Martez Wilson for basically getting completely blown out of the play. And so, you know, Spagnuolo, like you said, he's got to weigh that. He's got to decide, okay, Jamal Charles just ran for 91 yards. If Will Smith had been in the game, that probably wouldn't have happened. So you got to pick your poison. And so um, I think the most challenging thing for Spagnola right now is that he doesn't have complete players. He's got um, a bunch of, guys that are decent at one thing and not so good at others. Yeah. And he, he's just got to dial up. He's, it's basically like rolling the dice and you got to hit a Yahtzee, you know? And <laughs> if you don't, you know, you're, you're kind of you're screwed, you know? So yeah. he, he's just kind of come, come up with a winning combination on any given play. And uh, he, he's got to be creative, and hopefully he catches the offense off guard. But, um, you know, right now he, he's been pretty unlucky, you know? I mean, it, obviously the, 
I think talent is a major problem. And um, look, we talked about depth at cornerback. I mean, that was that was a big question mark, really, even before the season began, and there were no injuries. Um, and that that's another thing that I think, besides just the poor pass rush, which has been non-existent, um, Corey White and, and really Malcolm Jenkins, I think those two in particular have just been pretty horrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Lombardi for the NFL Networks calls it um, – what you what you describe as Spagnuolo has to do, he calls it battleship defense. You just you're just saying a five, and you're just guessing, and your defense doesn't do anything fundamentally well. So you don't right. have you don't have like a thing of okay, we run this defense really well, and and when we struggle, we go back to it. No, no, you're just like you say, you're at the craps table, and you just keep rolling them dice. Um, but it it's. With Malcolm Jenkins, um, I think it's time to say, look, he's just—he's not—he's not the guy. He, he was just—he's just a—he's just a—he's a guy that if you put him on a really good defense like San Francisco, or you know, I'm trying to think of another another team that has a really, really, really good defense, or maybe a Pittsburgh or that sort of thing. I think he'd be good, and he might even be like people would think, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. But with this, he is not in any way anything more than an average NFL safety at best. Yeah, and you know I, I can't really remember how he fared at corner as a rookie, um, but you almost have to wonder if it's time to maybe move him back to nickelback and see if he can do that. But obviously, they don't really have a safety that can step in and maybe play better than him right now. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's gotten to that point where. You know, really, Malcolm Jenkins is largely uh, a physical player. He's, um, you know, he, he's good for some big hits every once in a while. He's good for some personal fouls, um, and he's he's poor at, at play recognition. He's biting on play fakes. He's um, he's just a little lost out there, man. Yeah, I don't know if it's the new defense or whatever, but he, I mean, he peaked, and you know, we, I joked about this. He peaked on Thanksgiving Day in 2010. Yep. When he stripped the ball, and that was it. Um, this defense, uh, they have in the net, you know, we, listen, look, if, if this season, Andrew is going to turn into anything, you know, decent, fun, maybe have faint, faint playoff hopes, possibilities come December, then it's going to happen in the next three weeks because you got Tampa, Denver, and Philadelphia. You know, two out of three on the road. Um, but none of those teams really outclass the Saints because they all have huge fatal flaws. Philadelphia loves to turn the ball over. Uh, Peyton Manning has a, has a, you know, a shot arm. Their their offense could probably do a lot of business against the Saints. But their defense, their pass defense is terrible. Tampa, they're they're you know they're one and three they're no better they're I mean they're no better than the Saints and they're home you know they'll probably have forty five thousand people in Tampa so it's not like the Saints are going to be going into a hardcore environment. Um, what should we? What is is there anything that's that that you look at it and you're like okay, the defense could possibly not suck at doing this. Is there anything that you could see them getting better at to where they're average, below average, not embarrassing in the next three weeks on defense? Any one certain thing? I mean, I know you and probably anyone listening to this is on the edge of their seat praying, <laughs> hoping that I'm going to come up with some magic uh, answer that's going to fix the this... defense, but... Um, the answer to your question is no, uh, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it like that, but um, th- th- this team, this team is devoid of talent on defense. They don't have it um, now. If they have everyone healthy, and I mean, do you realize how unrealistic of of a wish that is um, when you talk about yeah, maybe they get Greer and maybe they get Hawthorne back, but you know, the minute they get those guys back. Um, someone else will probably go down. I mean, that's the law of the averages in the NFL, and um, they they just have no depth. They have no depth, and their starters are bad enough as is. Yeah. Um, but once you start going, you know, you start losing guys, 
Um, they, they, the defense has no depth. And I think the players right now have a poor grasp of Spagnuolo's defense. And Spagnuolo is now having to try um, to, to think outside the box and make schemes and play calls that he's not comfortable with because what he wants isn't working. And um, so, you know, look, I, I just don't think the personnel is there right now for Spag's scheme. And so I think you're two and you're three. And we'll have to see how that develops as he hopefully gets more players that fit um, the defense that he's looking to implement. But um, for, for the time being, for this season, um, I, you know, I, I'm not ruling out that, you know, for example, Tampa has a pretty weak offense. And, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out that the Saints could maybe slow down Josh Freeman in the Tampa running game a little bit um, and have a good good week here or there. But um, I think, by and large, as the season progresses, uh, you're going to see a lot more teams put up a lot of yards on the Saints, and that's just the reality of them not being good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe they can. I think maybe they can run into some turnovers, and I, I you know, we'll see. But I, I really expect them to. I really expect them to 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 beat to beat Tampa. We'll see. I still think they're going to make this. They've got a running run in them just because Drew Brees is not going to. He's not going to quit on this season, and I think he could. He could conceivably, Andrew, go on a month on a three, four, five game streak where he just plays out of his mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, if Graham gets healthy and the defense runs into a couple of turnovers and the Saints are winning 35 24, and we kind of get lulled to sleep because you look at the stats and you're like, ah, oh, they had four sacks and three turnovers this week. And then it'll all just crash in on us when they play a big game and they're like five and seven or six and six or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I still think this defense can is, is capable of stopping the run. And, it's, yeah. you know, obviously having Hawthorne in there is, is paramount to that. Um, but it, what's crazy is how bad this defense has played with a guy like Curtis Lofton in, in the lineup because he has been playing great. It's unbelievable to me that you can have a middle linebacker that is a tackling machine and has been playing at such a high level, and yet everything around him is falling, falling apart. But um, – I still think, you know, and, and, and unfortunately right now they're such a mess, I don't think they'll get to a point where they'll go back to their traditional Sed Ellis, Bunkley, Smith, and Cam Jordan as their front four and kind of stick with that. I, I think they've already kind of decided that's not working. Yeah. Um, but with those four guys up front and Hawthorne and, and Lofton, uh, that, that front seven – and I guess Shanley, that front seven can stop the run. I saw them do it against the Redskins. Yeah, the Redskins ran for like 140 yards, but they rushed the ball 50 times, and they averaged like three and a half yards a carry. So I actually thought the run defense was good in that game. The run defense against Kansas City was outstanding for three three and a half quarters um, before, you know, everything went kaput kind of in the fourth quarter in overtime. Um, but um, I, I've seen – I've seen times where at least they've been capable of making some things happen. Um, So I think you've got to hope maybe the Saints get back to that a little bit um, while still doing a good job of blitzing and bringing pressure. Um, And lastly, I just think Corey White's got to get out of there. This guy's a liability, and right now teams are seeing it on tape. And and you see it every week. It's so frustrating because every team they're playing, the quarterback is looking where Corey White is on the field and targeting him every single week. And I don't care if that means, you know, you saw Abdul Kadus needs to play more and you move Malcolm Jenkins to the slot. I don't care if it means Johnny Patrick needs – I don't care if it means Albert Mack needs to start playing more. Well, they cut Brood um, today and they signed Mack, so that could be a possibility. Yeah. yeah, don't even get me started on that. What a waste of a draft pick that was on Barrett Rude. Well, we're going um, to get to that. Is, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, we can get to it now. Um, you know, that move, Andrew, that the Saints made, it was a, clearly a panic move. It makes me worried about this front office, and maybe they're not as good at identifying personnel as they have been. Because basically, Mickey Loomis, I tweeted this, basically, he set a draft pick on fire. Yeah, he really did. He really did. And, you know... It'd be one thing, you know, I think most people think of seven, seventh round or what are the chances of it working out anyway. Um, but draft picks are at a premium right now for the Saints because 
Um, they lost one last year, and they're going to lose another one this year to this whole bounty gate thing. So um, they've, they've really got to hang on to what they have. And um, they don't have much cap room, and they've got personnel issues on defense. So if they're going to try to help Spagnola out and, and draft players that are going to help him um, implement a scheme, then they need that's, that's the kind of thing they need to hold on to. Well, um, and unfortunately, gotten uh, that that's gone, and, and they're going to have nothing to show for it. So it, it's unbelievable to me that Rude hasn't been able to see the field given the injuries. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've already lost Hawthorne, and, and Casillas has been out, and Will Herring has basically performed about as well as you could have, you know, a weak side linebacker, and he's he's still in there. So, um, I mean, that, that tells you what they think about Barrett Rude right there. Yeah, and, and – um, it, it, it's con. I mean, it's to me, it's just concerning. I mean, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you, when you just to just basically just to just flush a draft pick down the toilet, and they're just like, ah, we're cutting him. He he can't play. You know, and yeah, it's only a seventh, but it is a wasted draft pick. And you know, we talk about Corey White. He's getting torched. Um, Akeem Hicks. Is he going to be? A factor. I thought he was getting. It was. We were getting to the point. You know, they mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. He's playing. He's he's looking good. He, you know, maybe he'll get more playing time. Did he get a lot lot of playing time? And I just I want to I want to see him in there. I want to get an answer. I, I want to start to get an answer on these young players. And I feel like I just I want to see him in there. Do you think? He, yeah, I agree with you. He didn't play much against uh, San Diego, and I was okay with that because. Um, the Saints went so pass rush heavy with their front four alignment. They, I mean, they really were daring San Diego to run the whole game. And um, San Diego was very effective when they did run the ball, and yet they didn't commit to it whatsoever. And so you, I actually kind of have to applaud Spags there because he was, um, you know, he was a little stubborn. You know, the run game was working really well for him, but he's like, nope, not going to put in Bunkley, not going to put in Ellis. You know, Cam, you're a defensive tackle. And, you know, it, it's not that those two didn't play. They did play. But, um, you know, a lot of times when Jackie Battle would come in, that's when Bunkley would come in, and Bunkley would come in on goal line and third and shorts and that sort of thing. Um, but he was pretty stubborn about sticking with his, his best four pass rushers, and I think he just made the decision. Anytime it's, it's first, second, third, and in any sort of um, significant distance to go, I know this team likes to throw. They're just like us offensively, and any, you know, they're they're, they're more likely to throw than run 70, 70 to eighty percent of the time. So I'm going to put four pass rushers in there, and it, we've got to find a way to get more pressure. So that was the style of offense they were playing, and I, I firmly believe that's why Hicks saw less playing time. I mean, he almost didn't see any. You think he might um, see more time against Tampa because Tampa's more run heavy? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a team that commits to the run. It runs more. Um, so that that would be, I think, not only for him, but um, for Bunkley and and the other guys, the kind of the interior guys. I think you'll see less of Cam and Will Smith playing defensive tackle in that game. Yeah, and, and you know, we don't have a game this week, so there's no particular game to preview. But, you know, you, you, this team's one in four. Um, and I asked, Kev, I asked Kevin this question on the podcast, the postgame show last night. I'll ask it to you. Um, the over-under for the Saints – is uh, five and a half wins uh, for the season uh, over or under five and a half wins for the Saints in 2012? Am I allowed to say to change from over to under after they lose to Tampa on, on Sunday? Can I, <laughs> can I change it week to week? Uh, well, I might ask it again to you, but right now the over under is five and a half, so they'd have to win. You know, they're going to win six, or they're going to win five, so they have to win. Okay, okay. So if they go six and ten, that means they would have to go five and six over their next eleven. Whew. That, that, I think it's right on the cusp, man. I think, um, I, I think that's the right line, um, and I'm going to go under. Ooh. I think they probably go four and seven. And I think they probably win five games. Yeah. And I, that, this feels like a five and eleven team. And, and you know, I, I think it's one of those things where when we saw it against the Packers, not that the Packers are any good right now, but um, they they can play well against good teams and they can lose to really bad ones, and that's the mark of a horrendous defense. 
Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went into Atlanta and beat the Falcons and turned around and lost to the Panthers at home, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, and uh, look, the 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 Packers have a, watching them. They have a lot of issues in that their secondary can't cover for shit and they can't protect Aaron Rodgers. And even though they did it against the Saints, everybody does it. <laughs> everybody does it against right. the Saints. But the Colts were getting Aaron Rodgers. They were hitting him and. Um, Goddamn Colts! They went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and Andrew Andrew Luck is just—he's the real deal. Um, but you know, and, and even if the Saints get to five and eleven, I'm not sure, Andrew, that in the NFC South, I'm not sure that they won't unfortunately finish second. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. But uh, well, well, we'll have to see how Tampa reacts, but. Um, Carolina just just they it's, it's funny that they played so well against the Saints because now they just look abysmal. Yeah. Um, but you know they, they've invested in two running backs that I think are over the hill and Stewart and D'Angelo yeah. Williams and you know I, I still think they've got their best playmaker is way over the hill and Steve Smith. I mean he can still play, but I, I just think they've done a really bad job. Oh my putting god. Oh my god. Why aging you... aging guys that were good in their prime and but never superstars maybe with the exception of steve smith i guess you could say he was a superstar but prime, why, but. why in the modern nfl when no team you you don't you just don't pay running backs big money you just don't because you draft them right and then when their contract's up they're 27, 28, and you just – maybe with the new collecting bargain agreement, you might because, like, Trent Richardson, he comes out – I think he's 21. So his first contract, his next one he'll get, he'll be 25. So you might give him – but you don't give him huge money. I mean, the, the Minnesota proved that with Peterson. They gave him huge money. You just don't do it. They give two guys huge money for run. I mean, if anything, the Saints have proved it. You just get four or five guys. You pay them between two and four million each. And you just use yep. them like interchangeable parts. I don't, I don't know what the hell Carolina is doing. Tampa, I think Greg Schiano's act is going to wear thin. You know, I, I could be wrong, but we'll see. Um, but you know, it would be a shame to me, Andrew, if the Saints go five and eleven and have a second place schedule. You know, if they're going to go five, I'm hoping that they go five and eleven, four and twelve. I want the nice, I want the nice last place schedule where you can, you know. You could play last place teams. You know, you might get um, a Detroit or a you know another team that's in the NFC. The last place teams that are horrible. That's what I want. But it, but if they go five, if they go six and ten, I guarantee you they're not finishing last in the South. I get. Yeah, I, it's I, one I of those things. That, yeah, it's one. I agree with you because if the way if you look at it like this, I think the Saints are bad enough that they will probably split with Tampa and probably split with Carolina, so, you know, win the next one they play. But if you look at those three teams, who is most likely to split with Atlanta? I'd say the Saints, and I'd say there's no way that Tampa and Carolina are winning. I I mean, I think they're both getting swept against the Falcons. I know Carolina came pretty close and had them beat, but, um, you know, I just think – I just don't see either of those teams. As you get deeper into the season and, you know, the season's pretty much a wash – um, teams start to quit. And, you know, it's funny. If you remember last year, Breeze had the statement after the Rams loss that said, you know, we're getting pretty close to the time of year where the good teams separate themselves from the bad because the bad start to quit. And, you know, that that's when your singular focus on the playoffs starts to hone in. And, you know, the teams that are, um, yeah. you know, that they're the, the, on a mission um, are still playing hard or still yeah. fighting and, and, the, and the struggling teams quit. And so um, I think as bad as Carolina and Tampa are, um, give them a few more losses on their schedule, and they're going to be quitting pretty quickly because, you know, that's the thing. Josh Freeman and, and Cam Newton are their are their leaders, and uh, they're, if, if those guys, you know, if they start hanging their heads, um, you know, I think a lot. I mean, I think Carolina's saying it already. You know, some of his teammates are saying, "Are you kidding me? I'm not going to fight for this guy." Well, that, that but, bring... um, I think they I think they will for Breeze. So, well, I think I think that's an interesting point. You bring it up, and we'll end on this question. Look. You know, you, you Breeze brought it up last year, and look, if the Saints go into December and they are, you know, three and ten or three and nine, let's say, um, 
are they going to fight hard those last five, six weeks? Or are we going to start to see them roll over and die in games where they haven't done that yet, Andrew, even when they fell behind Green Bay and even when they felt, you know, they fell behind San Diego. They haven't, you cannot say, look, they just sort of said, ah, it's not our day, fuck it, and packed it in. Um, do you worry that that could happen with this team? Definitely. I think it can happen to anyone. I'm not, you know, oblivious to the fact that, oh, the Saints have a good locker room and Drew Brees is a good leader. No, I, you know, I I think it's less likely to happen to the Saints because of their maturity and because of Brees, but um, it can happen to anyone. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways, this defense, you kind of already saw them turn and quit a little bit on Greg Williams. Um, you know, as soon, as soon as the season was over, Scott Shanley publicly spoke to the media and threw him under the bus. So, <laughs> You know, I, I'm I'm not oblivious to the fact that it could happen to the Saints too. Of course, it could. You know, when, I mean, you're talking about guys that are making millions of dollars to play a game, and all of a sudden it's like risk injury or recharge your batteries for next year. Yeah. You know, they're not gonna. I mean, so it, it depends. You know, it depends on the individual, I think. And um, so, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely concerned, but I think it's gonna depend. I, I think a lot of times when you get to the later stages of the season and your season's lost. You know, you get down early, 14 nothing, 17-3, that's when you really start to see teams quit. But, you know, if they get up 7 nothing early on the team, maybe you'll see more effort from them. Um, and I think with the Saints, you know that you know that when they play, for example, Atlanta, um, and they have a chance to ruin their season or hurt their playoff seeding, that sort of thing, um, I, I still think those games will be fun. You know, definitely the two against Atlanta, the Saints will go into those knowing, we can hurt them. We can ruin their season, yeah. and you know, at least give give our fans something to cheer about for what's been a you know kind of a, a, a throwaway season. So, um, you know, there, there'll still be some fun games regardless, I think. But, but it's definitely a concern. Yeah, and I mean, the one I think I will say they, you know, they they they've got a Sunday night game against Denver. They got a Monday night game against the Eagles. You know, they're going to play hard on those games. Uh, they got the Thursday night game against Atlanta. They'll play hard for that. Um, you know, and they'll, you know, the Sunday night game against the Cowboys, they'll play hard against that because, you know, the Cowboys, if the Cowboys are in any kind of contention, that will be a Fox national game. Or, you know, it doesn't seem that plausible, but let me tell you, if the Cowboys are in big playoff contention and there's no other decent games week 16, NBC could flex that game and just say, you know what, it's the Cowboys and the Saints are freaking four and whatever, but it's Drew Brees and it still gets the audience. It could be a fun game. So that could motivate them. So I think you're right. I think they, no matter what a team is, when they play and it's under the lights and they know the country's watching, they always play their ass off. I mean, look at the Jets tonight. They're hanging yeah. in. They're hanging in with the Texans. So... So let yep. me ask you this, Ralph. This is, so far, this has been a mirror image of 2007. Saints start 0-4, look miserable. They find their way back to 4-4 four and four somehow. Um, so obviously they've won that first game now, and you've got at Tampa, at Denver, and then Philly at home on Monday night. I, so is that a that's Monday night, right? Yeah. The Philly game. Okay. So give me a percentage chance of then running the table on those three games coming up and being four and four and keeping the mirror image of 2007. I'm going to say... Now, remember, they get the shot in the arm of Joe Vitt back if they go to Tampa and win. Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to say like 30%. And the the reason is when they when they did it in 2007, they went they went to Seattle and then they... Uh, I forgot. Let me let me look it up because they they went to Seattle. And I think they played like I think they played like garbage teams, if I'm correct. To get to a lot of that, a lot of those uh, um, those teams were because uh, I know Jacksonville was one of those teams, and they and they played right. like they had a quarterback that I'd never heard of. Um, <laughs> they played Seattle, um, then they played Atlanta. In the dome, but that was close in twenty two sixteen. But Atlanta was bad that year too. Um, then they went to San Francisco. San, San Francisco that year, I, I was working at the Mercury News. They, they were just a fucking atrociousness under Mike Nolan. And then they played Jacksonville, who 
had they were playing like their third string quarterback. But I'm gonna make I'd say like thirty percent, Andrew, uh, and then you can tell me what you think. But I think what's gonna happen to the Saints really is I think they're gonna go to Tampa and win. And I think they're gonna go to Denver on Sunday night and look really, really good. Because, like you say, that'll be the Jovich shot in the arm. Cromer will be back, plant, doing the line. Denver's defense is kind of overrated. And I think they're going to look really, really good on Sunday night. Like, look, their defense might be atrocious, and it might end up being the worst defense in NFL history. But, Andrew, that doesn't mean for one week they can't play good for some reason that we can't explain. And I think, <laughs> and I think they're going to be 3-4. and four, and they're going to be playing on Monday night, and everybody's going to be drunk on Monday night, take off work early, and they're going to be like, it's 2007, baby. We are back. We are going to fuck Michael Vick up. The, the, the Eagles can't pass protect. We're getting to 4-4, four and four, and Michael Vick, unfortunately, is going to light them up, and everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, the defense does suck balls. And, <laughs> you know, that, that's, my, that's my prediction. So, uh, I mean, if, if I had to, I mean, that sounds exactly like what's going to happen. I, I think you're like the Back to the Future guy that has the <laughs> Almanac book. Yeah. And you just looked into the future, and, and you, I don't know, it sounds like that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, and look, hey, that to be 0 and 4 and then win three out of four that that's not ter- that's not terrible, and it means that they'll probably end up winning like we think six, seven games, maybe. Which look. It's not fun. It's not what we thought, but it's better than two and fourteen. And you know, hey, man, playing a game at three and four is a lot more meaningful than playing a game yeah, at zero. I would. That would be great. Just to have that moment where they've won three in a row. ESPN isn't blowing off the Monday night game, and you're thinking, hey, they got a shot. It's actually meaning something. It means yeah. something. I'll take that. I'll sign that up. But look, this defense is just it. It sucks, and it's going to bite them in the butt eventually. But you know, Andrew, we'll see. And um. Is there one? Is there is there one? And I, I found I promise this will be the end of it. Is there one guy that you're sort of of everybody that the Saints have? Is one guy that you're saying, man, if he for the Saints, if at the end of the year we can say this guy is a borderline Pro Bowl player at the end of the year, that will be a huge, huge thing going into 2013. Uh, well, I think with with the offense, you, you know, even status quo would be fine. Um, I, I, it's got to be defense. So somebody on this defense has got to just transform. So uh, I'm going to go with pass rush. I mean, I, I've, I've said from the very beginning, this team needs an elite pass rusher, a guy that can get to the quarterback consistently, can get double-digit sacks. So um, I don't really care if it's Gillette or uh, Martez Wilson, but – I'll go with Martez Wilson because they invested a third-round pick in him. And um, I feel like he's still pretty raw because he's just learning a new position and he's only been playing it for five regular season weeks. Yeah. Um, so he's still got a high ceiling. He can still get a lot better. Um, I'm going to go with Martez Wilson, that he can just become a complete defensive end and uh, we can feel like going into next season um, we've got a Javon Curse-esque lean, long, fast defensive end that can get in the quarterback's face all day long. Yeah, I mean, look, and if he can be, if he could be a 10-sack guy and not be an atrocity against the run and just make himself below average. It's good enough for me. It's good enough, you know, and that's the thing, like, Andrew, if, if, if we're talking week 16 and, you know, and you say, hey, Ralph, Martez Wilson is not a crime against run defense anymore. You know, that is a big thing because then when the Saints go into the draft, you get a San Montgomery. Then you're saying, hey, we got Cam Newton. We got San Montgomery from LSU. We got this. You know, then you've got something to work with. But we'll see. And, Andrew, as always, it's been fun. And uh, hopefully LSU season doesn't get flushed down the toilet uh, this Saturday against South Carolina. Yeah, well, it's nice to have a break from the Saints and we get to go into the bye week with the win. So, um, you know, it'll be nice to watch a little bit more passively the NFL. But, uh, yeah, if LSU doesn't win this weekend, their season is, is going to go down the drain pretty quickly. Well, so it's back, to, back to the – it'll be back to, like, the Outback Bowl or something. 
And there yep. goes a Texan running for about a 100-yard interception return. And on that note, for Andrew Juge, go to SaintsNation.com. Read the man's grades. He's got the offensive grades up there. He'll have the defensive grades, which I think you just need to, instead of grading the players, Andrew, you just need to pick YouTube clips of people dying <laughs> and, and giving <laughs> grades. I think you should do that one week. But go to Saints Nation. It's fantastic. Um, you'll, you'll learn stuff, and you'll laugh a little about the atrocious things defense. So for Andrew Juge, I'm Ralph Marlborough. So long and enjoy the bye week.